It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 333 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called All Bone, No Brains. It is November 12, 2021, and this is Jen. And I'm going to start this one off with my week in gaming, which I really don't have too much to say about, but there was some... Uh, I did a couple of videos. I think last episode I said that I was going to put up a couple of Diablo 3 videos on YouTube. Well, one of them got there. And then I got a flu shot and was too tired to do the rest for a few days. So, And I got the flu shot because my immune system sucks. And, well, it just seemed like a good idea at the time. I'm fine now. But I did put up one video on uh, the Book of Jen YouTube of my barbarian killing the Key Wardens and Urzael on Torment 4. There's... One more because I did finish chapter uh, four of the season journey and I'm going to try to get back in there later. I've also got a bunch of little clips from Diablo 2 Resurrected on from my Xbox S that I'm going to string together and try to make a video out of because I can't use my normal software to do that. So that's my week in gaming. I've been playing a lot of Pocket Camp. Probably nobody cares about that. So I'm just mentioning it in case some of you play it. It's uh, it's an app game you play on your phone or your tablet. So there we are. So this show is called All Bone, No Brains because the Diablo account on Twitter just cracks me up sometimes. And so there's this little eight-second video that the Diablo account posted and it's got the necromancer standing there as one of his skeletons just goes running around like an excited puppy dog not knowing where he's going and just all over the place and there's the necromancer just watching him like are you done are you coming back uh, you know that kind of thing <laughs> just I thought it was funny so I posted it into the show notes or well I will have it in the show notes what I do honestly is just pull a bunch of things off of Twitter or Sometimes news articles outside of Twitter, sometimes YouTube videos outside of Twitter, and stick them all together so you can find the good stuff by listening to this and checking the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com. To continue, we've had another person leave Blizzard, a significant person, Caleb Arsenal has left. He was part of the Diablo Immortal, he was the Diablo Immortal production director, and he's left Blizzard. There is a screenshot that Blizz Planet posted, which a apparently came from some other account that picked it up from somewhere and so this is the little screen uh, screenshot of the LinkedIn thing from Caleb Arsenault and he wrote this this is my last week at Blizzard after three plus years I've cherished the time I've spent here and all the wonderful people I've worked with along the way Diablo Immortals a fantastic game made by a passionate and talented team that I will miss dearly I'm beyond excited about my next role and looking forward to taking on a new challenge so we don't know where he's going but uh, he has left Blizzard that's another you know person that has done some significant things in Diablo Immortal especially I would think he was the production director. So we lost another one that was well-known and high up in Blizzard. But on a brighter note, Blizz Jess, who I've been putting into the show here, 
uh, has some rather happy news regarding ABK workers. That's Activision Blizzard King, if you're new to this. She wrote, uh, today ABK workers are celebrating a huge victory for our contract workers. This is a result of collective action and there is more work to do. So this is what the contract workers for Blizzard, or Activision Blizzard King are getting. All temporary workers will receive the Thanksgiving and winter breaks as paid time off. Now you may remember previously it was announced by the A Better ABK account that the temporary workers weren't getting paid for the time off and that this could really mess them up because it meant they wouldn't be getting a paycheck. They might not be able to pay their rent. They might not be able to pay for food, you know, depending on what their situation was. In in general, contract workers don't get paid very well in any company. So, you know, temporary, that kind of thing. Like if you've ever had like a job at a mall or something like that back in the day for just sort of being there during the Christmas holiday season or the Thanksgiving to Christmas to a little bit after New Year's holiday season, you know your job has a time limit and you don't get paid very well and you don't get really any benefits. That's the kind of thing that it appears contract workers were still getting, but not anymore at ABK because the temporary workers are going to get paid time off for Thanksgiving and winter breaks. They're also, um, I'll just read you the rest of this. We've increased our minimum hourly rate for all temporary employees to $17 per hour, which is fantastic. It also says on January 1st, 2022, all temporary workers will also receive 13 paid holidays each year. It's my understanding that that's what regular workers get. They get 13 paid holidays. So now the temporary workers get that too, starting on January 1st of 2022 it continues our agency partners have agreed to match the sick paid time off that we offer to blizzard temporary employees increasing the number of accruable sick time to nine days each year those employed by blizzard already have this benefit and there's one more we are going to begin new career growth and learning programs as part of temporary workers development additional information is forthcoming now i don't know exactly where this came from but blizz jess has been pretty reliable about what she's been posting in regards to abk and one of the things that the a better uh, abk account posted fairly recently was they wanted people who were contract workers or temporary workers at ABK to share their experiences to show what they were, you know, what they were going through. And one of the things that came up, I read a lot of them. I I didn't read all of them, but one of the things that kept coming up was the not getting paid for the holidays. And also what came up more was the feeling that there was no path for that, for them to become a permanent worker, even though many got the impression that it was okay, you're going to start as a temporary worker and then you'll have a better chance of getting hired on as a, you know, as a regular worker. And that's not what happened. In some cases, they said they eventually were not allowed to talk to the devs higher up. They weren't allowed to talk about this, that, or the other. They, uh, in some cases, were off for a few days for either a holiday or whatever. And weren't hired back but weren't told specifically why and so it felt like empty promises in my opinion if i'd gone through that as one of those workers i would feel like oh all the stuff about you know having us be able to work our way up through the company that sounds great let's do it but it wasn't true so this part here about we're going to begin new career growth and learning programs as part of temporary workers development 
that's important. That's needed. That's a huge change. This is good. They're finally doing good things. It's just too bad they're still losing a lot of high-up employees that worked on a lot of good things, you know? I mean, I'm not saying that someone else couldn't step in and do something good with that as well, but last week we talked about how Jan O'Neill was stepping down from co-presidenting with Mike Kibara, and it's just kind of uh, a sea change, I guess. I don't know. In addition, uh, there's a better Ubisoft account on Twitter that is pushing for the same things that a better ABK is pushing for. And so one of the things that ABK has been doing is retweeting the posts from a better Ubisoft because if one gaming company needs needs change, so do the rest. So they're kind of like supporting each other in these roles and... Um, there's a petition that a better Ubisoft wants Ubisoft workers, fans, and streamers and fellow devs from across the industry to sign. And they have this little screenshot here with an anonymous quote because a better Ubisoft has been posting quotes of people who signed the petition and said, here's why I wanted to sign the petition. They take the person's name out. So the one they have here says, management needs to realize we create the IPs, we make the games, we generate the record profits. Our labor pays their wages. It buys their houses, their cars, and their vacations. When we demand a seat at the table, they need to listen. And I think that's a fair assessment if you're getting screwed because you did all the work and the high-ups get all the pay, you know. So that's still going on. There's a, th- a thread here from Travis Day who is he's spent 13 years working on world of warcraft and diablo 3 and he's talking about magic find because people were asking him about they were asking about magic find i think he jumped in from there i don't think anyone specifically oh no someone did specifically tag him to ask about magic find so that's how he got involved in that and then he's got like a series of tweets trying to explain how it works or why it doesn't work or, or whatever, but it's an interesting one. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it is intermixed with him replying to additional comments from people and making corrections and stuff like that. But if you want to know more about Magic Find, there's the thread for you. There's an artist, an art director, and concept artist named Bjorn Hurry. This person has worked 20 years on 100 plus titles in the entertainment industry, working on top layer AAA titles. And he's got pictures here that, uh, well, he wrote this, finally the work has been approved to show. I was hired by Axis to help their team out with giving the the work a gritty and textural pass and also to design some assets like the face of Marius, etc. was a lot of fun. And he's got Diablo 2 resurrected concept art in here. So there's a couple of really detailed faces of Marius and a couple other characters that were involved in like the opening cinematic you know the guy in the bar that is like kind of drunk looking and all this before all the demons appear so i mean there's another one which might be might be the person that walks in with the cape like that might be his face but it's really well done and it's definitely something to check out and now some content from the diablo community there is a person on youtube who goes by chicken chaser 89 which is kind of i think an inside joke for diablo 2 because you go into town and there's chickens in the way and you have to like enact one at least you know and there's this thing about people trying to chase the chicken over the bridge which i did try once and i think i got it but it took a little while <laughs> i don't know if i got that on um 
a, a clip or not. But anyway, so uh, Chicken Chaser eighty nine has a short video on YouTube, and he was doing a charity stream for Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And to hype the stream, he decided he was going to take out some Ubers. And in, also in doing that, he decided to wear a bra while he was doing this. So there you are. And he's, you know, he's just calmly playing his game and doing his thing and beating the Ubers and, you know, going, oh, I need to put this in my stash and going back out. And yeah, he's wearing a bra. You can see the top straps of the bra from the video and that's about it. So you figure like from, you know, collarbone and like an inch or two down, there's like something that could be a bra he said it was so okay that's his choice i figure perhaps that would get a lot of people tuning in just to see what was going on so that was a good idea if you're doing a charity stream to get more people to help out that charity oh there's a um a youtube video by big daddy den and this one is called d2r shaco farming guide exclamation point comma harlequin harlequin crest two items that seem to be pretty popular in the game and so this is if you don't know how to get it and you want to get those this is a video showing you how to do it it's just about nine minutes long it's not terribly long to watch so you could just check it out and then jump in the game if you wanted to there are pins now for carbot animation they've done a lot of little like very sort of minimalist drawings of the Diablo characters and then they run them through videos and stuff. You've probably seen some of this. This is, you know, Carbot where the start of the video goes beep beep like a car. And there is someone who has made pins of some of those characters. So it's the Amazon, the Necromancer, and the Barbarian. They're pins you can buy and wear and stick on your bag or whatever you want to do, and they look just like the characters in the Carbot videos. Speaking of that, Carbot has a video called Barbarian Skill Changes Diablo 2, and it's under the uh, It'd Be Cool If selection of videos that they're doing where it's even more minimalistic drawing, and it goes over, in this case, the Barbarian Skills in Diablo 2 Resurrected. And there were a lot of, I watched this one, there were a lot of really good suggestions about do we need this particular skill? Or what if we combine this one and that one since they're kind of the same? Or what if we buffed this one because it really does nothing after you hit level whatever? And it was some really good suggestions. I don't know that Blizzard is going to look at this and go, oh yeah, we should totally do that. But it's interesting to me to see people who can look at things like the skills for a particular class and say, okay, this is cool, this is really good, leave this alone, but these other ones, nobody uses it, why do we have it, can't we make it better, here's an idea to make it better, and maybe eventually some of that you know, trickles up to Blizzard and they go, hmm, that's a good idea. The only thing, though, is I know that Diablo 2 Resurrected was built on the original Diablo 2, so there are limitations with the coding, I guess, and how things function. Uh, or malfunction, and so I don't know that this would be something that could be changed with a quick fix. So we'll just have to wait and see if that comes through or not. We also got, on November 1st, I think I talked about this last show, there was a Diablo 3 PTR. There's an update to the PTR 2.7.2 that's now live, and they changed that on... Uh, the update came on 11.12, which is the day I'm recording this episode of Shattered Soulstone. So there's some changes in here to know about. 
And this is a preview for PTR content, which is subject to change. They always put that in there because I think it's possible someone will be like, well, that's not what it was like in the PTR. I was expecting this thing to happen in the game live, but it's, you know, it's not there. And well, it might not be. It's a PTR. It's there for testing. If it doesn't work, they can change it. If they don't like it, they can change it. They can do whatever, you know, that's what the PTR is for. But they seem to have a need to put that in because there's going to be people that don't understand that concept for whatever reason. So here's some stuff. Uh, let's see. This part is... I'm trying to see where the the updates popped in. We already know about the uh, soul shards that I talked about last time and Hellforge embers that can drop from anywhere in Sanctuary. But the soul shards have a higher chance to drop from bosses. Now... I'm going to be a bit cynical about this because I remember reading about season 24, which I think is still going, that you could find ethereals at whatever level you were. It just kind of happened that they wouldn't be in rifts, either Nephilim rifts or the greater rifts, and that you'd, you know, you'd probably be able to find at least a couple of them. I don't think my copy of the game has any. <laughs> I've been all over Sanctuary, and, you know, I'm... I've, hit 70 and I've got, you know, some Paragon and all that, but I have yet to see a soul shard or not a soul shard. Well, I shouldn't see one in you know, season 24, but um, I haven't seen any ethereals at all whatsoever. And I don't know if it's like, I've gone to places I've seen people in videos who were searching for ethereals go to, and I've gotten nothing from no ethereals from it. I have no idea like what I'm doing wrong or if it's just unlucky maybe there's you have to play x amount of time before one will drop I don't know I know early in the season someone I follow on social media was like oh yeah I'm like level four look I got an ethereal I'm like oh, okay you know <laughs> it's just like I feel really left out for season 24 so I'm hoping that season 25 will make it easier to obtain the cool stuff that was supposed to happen you know, that sort of thing. Anyway, I guess I'm a little bit salty about this because I didn't even get one, you know? Like, one would have been fine, but no. I'll keep trying until the season ends, I suppose. And by then it won't matter because you can't carry it into the next, uh, into your off-season, so whatever. Um, so there's uh, some developer's notes in here about season 25, and I'll read you a little bit of this. There's a bug fix. They fixed a bug where rank 2 soul shard Aphex's values could sometimes change after being socketed, which is not what you want. You know, who it does this thing great. Let me put it in the let me put it in the socket. Oh wait, it's doing something different now. That's not good. 2 fixed a bug that allowed players to equip two lesser soul shards because there's lesser and greater. 3 updated the possible range of all resistance on rank 2 upgrades to 55 to 62 and 4 updated the possible range of armor on rank 2 upgrades to 375 to 390 there's a developer's note that was written today in addition to fixing several bugs that resulted in some soul shard powers being much more powerful than intended we've redesigned and balanced several soul shards to give more competitive options when choosing the right soul shard for a wider range of builds. So here's some that they messed around with. Sliver of Terror, updated Sliver of Terror base power. Quote, your cooldowns are increased by 25%. For every skill on cooldown, you take 12.5% reduced damage and deal 25% increased damage. And two, reduce the power of Sliver of 
Terror's Rank 3 upgrade Ring of Fire effect and increased the required skills to 100 to proc. There's the Fragment of Destruction. This is what they've messed around with. Added Fragment of Destruction Rank 3 upgrade. When you apply Mark of Destruction to an enemy, you increase your movement speed by 5% for 7 seconds, max 10 stacks. Two, removed Fragment of Destruction Rank 3 upgrade, quote, increase the duration of the Mark of Destruction to 10 seconds. So they changed that one. There's the Stain of Sin. This one got four different things that happened to it. Updated Stain of Sin base power, quote, you deal 25% less damage. When you kill 50 enemies, you spawn a pool of blood that increases the damage done to elite enemies and 150% or by 150% and lasts for 15 seconds. 2. Added Stain of Sin Rank 3 upgrade. Quote, you gain an additional Rift Progress Orb when you kill an elite pack. 3. Removed Stain of Sin Rank 3 upgrade. The pool of blood now also freezes non-elite enemies, so they pulled that out of the things this one can do. And updated Stain of stain of Sin Rank 3 negate elite Aphex power to include Wormhole and Electrified, because those are Aphexes, so why not? There's also the Dregs of Lies, which had... Five things change on this one. So they did this. Updated Dregs of Lies base power. You deal 25% less damage. Your pets deal 50% increased damage. That sounds like something if you were using maybe a necromancer. That might be a thing. Maybe if you're playing a witch doctor, they have pets. That might be a thing. I'm not sure if the ancients that the barbarian gets count as pets, but maybe... Uh, number two added Dregs, Dregs of Lies rank three upgrade. Quote, each time your pet hits an enemy, your damage is increased by 1% for five seconds. This stacks up to 100 times. When you reach 100 stacks, the stacks quickly reset to zero. Three added Dregs of, Dregs of Lies rank three upgrade. Killing an elite enemy reduces all your active cooldowns by five seconds. Four removed... Dregs of Lies rank 3 update. Double the damage reduction enemies receive when you critically strike them. And 5. Removed Dregs of Lies rank 3 upgrade. Each elite enemy slain with the damage reduction effect from this soul also reduces all your active cooldowns by 5 seconds. There's a remnant of Pale. They fixed a bug with Remnant of Pale rank 3 passability power that caused collision issues with Mystic Ally. That doesn't sound like something you want to have happen. And Essence of Anguish got six things done to it. So they really reworked these. The Essence of Anguish one had the following changes. Updated Essence of Anguish base power. Every time you deal poison damage to an enemy, you increase your cooldown reduction and movement speed by 2.5%, while your damage received is increased by 5% for 10 seconds, maximum 10 stacks. Fixed a bug that caused Essence of Anguish's rank 3 upgrade death blow effect to cause more damage than intended. Three, fixed a bug that caused Essence of Anguish's Rank 3 upgrade death blow effect to not trigger consistently. Oh, wow. That would be a problem. If it's supposed to trigger and it didn't and you were counting on it, that could be a problem. Okay, number four. Updated Essence of Anguish's Rank 3 upgrade death blow effect not to not synergize with Sever's legendary power. 
Five, added a buff bar icon to track stats of Essence of Anguish's base effect. And six, updated the tooltip of Essence of Anguish's rank three death blow effect to clarify that only player attacks can trigger the effect. So there's that. There's some item changes. Uh, they updated Depth Digger's legendary power to work with all primary skills. With the Barbarian, uh, Remorseless, while both Wrath of the Berserker and Call of the Ancients are active, Hammer of the Ancients deals 600 to 800% increased damage. Guess what skills I'm going to use in Season 25? Because <laughs> I've been playing a Barbarian for a while. There's a developer's note. We wanted to buff the Barbarian's Hammer of the Ancients playstyle without putting the power into a specific set. Okay, I'll take it. There's a bunch of stuff for the Witch Doctor. There was originally eight things in this list, and several of them have been crossed out. So I guess they've done some changes. Let's see. Some of them look like the same as before, so I'm just going to go over what the changes were in there. There's a Spirit of Iraq here, two-piece bonus. Summon a permanent spider queen connected to you by an infested thread. Enemies caught in the thread are infested. Corpse spider attacks against infested enemies inflict the same damage to all infested enemies. The spider queen is commanded to move to where you cast your corpse spiders. Corpse spiders now spawns with health. And then there's a couple of things that have been crossed off, but the one that they've added is for the four-piece bonus. The Spider Queen now leaves behind webs that last for 15 seconds and slows enemies. Infested enemies remain infested while on the web. You take 75% reduced damage while in the web and for four seconds after. So here's a developer's note. We've reworked Witch Doctor's Spirit of Arrakir set as well as several legendary Witch Doctor items. With these changes, we hope to infuse Spirit of Arrakir with more flavor and gameplay, as well as give Witch Doctor's a much needed power increase and I think that's sorely needed. I've constantly heard people um, talk about either in Discord or on social media about how the Witch Doctor just wasn't strong enough so I think they've been heard now and this might improve things. There's also another developer's note uh, that was added today. We've added a new mechanic to the Spirit of Iraq here set, which should give it a more active and thematic playstyle. Additionally, we've given Corpse Spiders the ability to benefit from several items that buff pets, which should give more power and gearing options. For the Demon Hunter, they have... Um, I'm not sure which one is from today. I'll read you the developer's note from today on this one. We've added Cluster Arrow damage to Bombardier's Rucksack, which should make Cluster Arrow builds... With the reworked embodiment of Marauder set more appealing. For the Necromancer, the update is based on player feedback. We're taking a different approach to nerfing Firebird's finery. Rather than having pets do the heavy lifting, we want to lean into the fantasy of the player being a brawling battle mage. I think that's going to make a lot of people that play the wizard very happy because it's my understanding. I've, I have played a wizard, but it was a long time ago. It's my understanding that the wizard's Firebird's finery is one of the best sets for the wizard or the most powerful, so it looks like that's been heard that sounds good there's a handful of bug fixes down here some of them i've um i might have already read through uh some of them are particular to certain classes uh fixed a bug that prevented mystic ally fire ally active from attacking the rift guardian perendi you launch it and it just goes nap I'm not fighting Perendi. <laughs> you could do it. And they fixed it, I guess. So there's that. There's more information here about if you want to um, participate in the PTR and all that good stuff. But that's what we have for this. And of course, there are videos now about this. So we've got one from Big Daddy Den 
PTR 2.7.2 huge update that was posted today on YouTube. And then there's one for, um, it might be the same one. Yeah, it's the same one. I just put it in twice. Okay. Um, Leviathan's got one on YouTube from today titled lots, lots of soul shard changes and witch doctor buffs. So you can check out what he had to say about it. There's, um, for, uh, let's see, Bloodshed's got a YouTube video posted on November 9th, so it might be before these changes went in. And it's uh, Frenzy Barb, Season 25, Patch 2.7.2, Gameplay and Build Guide, Diablo 3, Savage Barbarian Set. <clears throat> Excuse me. So there's that. I don't know if that's still relevant. I mean, I know they updated some stuff with the Barbarians. So it's probably still at least useful. And since we're talking about YouTube right now, um, there's a thing you may or may not be aware of if you're on youtube a lot and you put your videos up there you might be a little more in tune with what's going on with that but um if you just watch and you know hit like or dislike uh specifically the dislike or you comment there's something you need to know uh youtube has decided to make the discount the dislike count the little thumbs down button private across youtube the button will remain you can still click it if you don't like the video, but you won't see any numbers there anymore. And the creator will. The creator who's got YouTube Studio and all that will see how many dislikes they got on that video. And they can consider that as feedback or they can ignore it or whatever. But basically, it's it's a rollout. It's not going to be everybody has this on their YouTube all at once. I don't know how quickly they're doing this, but somebody on Twitter I follow noted that the numbers weren't there next to the dislike button anymore on whatever creator that person was watching. So that's, you know, today. This post was on November 10th on YouTube's um, blog, I suppose. So this is what they did. They did an experiment to see earlier this year on the dislike button to see whether or not changes could help better protect our creators from harassment and reduce dislike attacks where people work to drive up the numbers of dislikes on a creator's video. Now, the first thing I thought of when I read this part was there are marginalized people that tend to get harassed on Twitch. And I'm assuming that the same group is getting harassed on YouTube for reasons that are entirely unfair. So this might be a way to encourage people that are part of those groups, um, people who, people of color, people who have disabilities, people who are part of LGBTQA, people who, whatever, you know, um, different groups to feel more comfortable putting their content on YouTube, you know, something like that. You should be able to use a video service and not have a bunch of hate for who you are, you know? I mean, I think that just makes sense. So YouTube's doing that. And in addition, you know, this part about if you come in and you're, you know, clicking, just clicking dislike on a video and someone else comes to it, they may think, oh, well, this video is terrible. I'm not going to watch it. I'm just going to click that dislike button and watch the numbers go up. And we've seen this happen when you get a group of people who find a trailer for an upcoming movie and they have already decided without watching the trailer or watching the movie, which isn't released yet at that point, that they would like to click dislike on it. And so they start doing it and then a group comes in and keeps doing it and tries to raise the discount or the discount, the dislike on it as far as they can. And it's misleading. 
it's misleading. It's a group of people who have, for some reason, you know, decided to just really hate on movies that typically uh, feature characters that are main characters that are women or people of color or you know, characters that are part of LGBTQ or this kind of thing. Um, or they don't happen to like a particular creator because the creator is one of those groups, you know, but they can really try and sync movies like that. I'm thinking uh, The Last Jedi. I'm thinking Ghostbusters with the one that was female-led with four women playing Ghostbusters. Uh, that one got a lot of this type of stuff. I'm sure there's others. And YouTube doesn't like it. So um, they're trying to stop that. Now, the, inter the most interesting thing about this is you can still click the dislike button. You can click your dislike button once on a video. You won't see how many numbers it is. The creator will. And that's that. You're done. You can have that cathartic little I don't like it and move on with your day. And the creator doesn't have to worry about it. You know, so there's that. But um, there was a thing that they, they learned that... I think I looked at a couple of things for this, but the experiment led people to not use the dislike button as much as they may have chosen to if it wasn't, and if you know, this wasn't an experiment they were testing on YouTube. And what YouTube found is that some people came in and wrote, I just came in to dislike. And that from studying all of this, they determined that having to type into the chat, I just came in here to dislike, didn't seem to be very satisfying because not many people did it. So I think this is probably a good thing because it will stop harassment, hopefully. People that are absolutely insistent upon harassing others that they just don't like for nefarious reasons, I guess. Like they don't they don't like certain groups of people or they don't like the game the person's playing or whatever, you know. Um, I think it will reduce the amount of harassment those creators face. And, of course, we would like the internet as a group. We don't want to be harassed online. Nobody wants to be harassed online, no matter who you are. So this would be a good idea for YouTube to can implement and continue. It makes it safer. It makes it nicer. I read somewhere, and I cannot verify this, but some people on Twitter who were discussing this among themselves said that YouTube's algorithms don't look at dislikes and go, oh, that's a bad video. I'll stop promoting it. They see every click and interaction as interaction. And if you have, you know, bombarded something with a bunch of dislikes, the algorithm doesn't know the difference between that and likes. It just goes, oh, interaction and boosts it. So I, I can't confirm it, but maybe that's how that's working. So... So there's that. Interestingly, the article that I'm, you know, the blog post that I'm reading to you about YouTube did not allow for comments. Can't imagine why. <laughs> um, actually, I can't imagine why, because there's a link here to that experiment that they did. And people were, um, the day of it, it was like March something. And the day of it, they said, here's what we're going to do. We're trying an experiment. There you go. And they left the comments open. And on that exact same day, the majority of the comments were, we don't like this, this is a bad idea, it's never going to work, you know, this kind of thing. And it just kind of showed you, like, who out there is more interested in clicking dislike and ruining someone's day than actually using YouTube to find something good to watch. You know, there's a lot of Diablo stuff, go for that, right? Enjoy. But some people can't. So that's what this is. And um, I, think, I think it's heading in the right direction. Um, others have been cynical about this, saying that uh, this... The dislikes is a problem for YouTube because it, you know, it makes people maybe not want to put their content there and YouTube wants to make money from it. And I don't know if that's true or not. 
But this is the thing. So if you go to YouTube and you want to watch someone's video and you decide for whatever reason that this is a terrible video, you can still click dislike, but you can't run up the numbers with a bunch of other people that want to just hit dislike for whatever reason. There is potentially a downside because some people said there's videos that appear at first to be about a particular thing but then turn out to be about something completely different and it's kind of feels scammy or spammy and you don't know about it until you're in there so some people wanted to be able to still see the numbers on the dislike button for those videos but i don't think youtube has the technology to say only these videos will not have the dislike shown or only these creators it's all or nothing so this is how it is. If you enjoy putting your stuff on YouTube, this is how it's going to go. If you don't like YouTube's decision, maybe go to Twitch. <laughs> I don't know. But this is what it is. And since we, you know, a lot of us content creators that play Diablo do put things on YouTube. So just so you know. And I think that's where I'm going to end the show for now because I've probably been babbling on for long enough. So... You have been listening to episode 333 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. This is probably specific to Diablo 3. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link in our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as at the Shattered Soulstone website. This show is powered by you, the listener. Send in your thoughts, contributions, questions, and feedback to our Twitter at Shattered Stone or Facebook. Facebook at facebook.com slash shattered soulstone. Thank you for listening.